Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. And I'm back. I'm your host, Nick Milkey. It has been two, maybe three weeks. I can't, honestly can't remember. Um, Halloween happened. I was off that night. Uh, Potathon happened last weekend. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I decided after 15 hours of podcasting on Saturday, I didn't have to turn around and do it again Sunday night, even though I missed you all. And before that, before those two weeks, we were doing canon studies. And so we had finished up Empire Strikes Back. We had that last episode with Mark Thompson that was a lot of fun digging into kind of the closing minutes of Empire. So I'm excited to be back on a Sunday night. I'm excited to be back doing what we've done mostly this last year, which is to have an amazing guest, have an amazing conversation, do a top seven countdown and just spend a little bit of time hanging out. I'm thankful to see my friends in the chat. I see JD. I see Framey. I see Seth. Um, thank you all for being here. Y'all make this night so special every week. I'm always honored that you choose to spend time with me, um, time with us, time with my guests. So before we get to our fantastic guest tonight, and we do have a very uh, high level, top shelf, cream of the crop guest. Um, <laughs> sorry, I have to call this out. Uh, Seth, you're right. The beard has made progress. We are well on our way back. Um, if anybody is tuning in lately and didn't catch the beard story about three and a half, four weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be an extra for a week on the new rebooted Wonder Years that shot here where I live in Montgomery. But apparently in 1968, people didn't have big full beards like I usually wear. So on the first day on set and hair and makeup, they shaved my beard off for the first time in 11 years. So it was a little bit traumatic. My five-year-old cried. Um, I may have cried a little bit, but you know what? We're better now. And that's the beauty of beards. They grow back and this one won't be going away anytime soon. So thank you for noticing. I appreciate your attention to detail. Uh, a couple of quick housekeeping items before we get to our guest. Um, t-shirts. We do have t-shirts. They are available, and if you haven't had an opportunity to pick up a Podcast of the Wheels t-shirt, um, they're on sale at our Tee Public store until the end of tonight. I looked at it a couple hours ago, and there's like nine hours left. So normally they're 20 bucks. This time they're 13 And we have the standard four t-shirts. We have the Dad Batch t-shirt that came out after uh, Bad Batch ended, everybody's favorite group of dads. Um, the Podcast of the Wheels logo t-shirt, the hashtag Spark of Positivity t-shirt, and then if you know and are in the know, about Heroes of the Mom CU, which is the podcast that I do with my wife and four daughters, where we are forcing my wife to watch all of the Marvel movies in chronological order because she knows nothing about them and having sometimes hilarious, but also really great conversations about the themes in those movies, about what she sees, what she thinks is going to happen versus what really happens. Uh, we actually did two episodes last week. Um, we are up through Captain America Civil War. So next up is going to be actually Black Widow. So we've got a little ways to go, but if you need a Heroes of the Mom CU t-shirt, we would love for you to grab one of those and support us in that way. Um, the other bit of the news or reporting that I wanted to report on is not here. There it is. Potathon. Potathon was last Saturday, and I just want to throw a couple of shout outs. I want to shout out Pete from Around the Galaxy. I want to shout out Scotty from the Bombag cast. They put together an absolutely phenomenal event. We went for, gosh, 14 or 15 hours. And most importantly, we raised $8,325 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is a truly worthwhile charity. It's a great opportunity to do some good in the world and use our Star Wars fandom to do it. We had an amazing day of shows. I was so blessed to get to have Paul Sun Young Lee 
who is the star of Kim's Convenience and also everybody's favorite Carson Tava, as he said it. So I think that's the right way. From The Mandalorian, we had a fantastic conversation. And if you missed that um, last weekend, I'm going to be putting the audio of that interview up in the podcast feed soon. And I think actually I'm going to get to put the video up on our channel as well. So I'd love for you to check out that great conversation. But I just want to shout out, throw a shout out to those guys. Thank you for letting me be a part of that special day. And thank you to all of you who watched and donated because I know all of you that tune in here um, are a big part of that. And y'all are a big part of donating and helping again, just spread some of that positivity in the world. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping support us on that day. It was tons and tons of fun. Now we have a guest tonight and he is an important guest. He is an awesome guest. And I figured out in the course of doing some research for this guest, um, he and I have roots to the same part of central Illinois where I grew up and where he is. And, you know, I started naming off towns before we got on camera. He's like, oh, yeah, I know those places. And I'm like, that's where my people are from. So that was a lot of fun to make that small world connection. Um, my guest tonight is Mr. Dan Zier. Dan is the host of Coffee with Kenobi which is a very popular Star Wars podcast, right at the top of the list for Star Wars podcasts. He does so many amazing things. Um, he is a, one of the co-authors of the Star Wars book. He worked on that with a little guy you may have heard of named Pablo Hidalgo. I don't know if y'all know who that is. Kind of a neat guy. Um, he is a teacher. He is an educator. He is um, also got another book that is due out in just a couple of weeks that we're going to get him to talk about, which is the Star Wars Character Encyclopedia. Um, also worked on that with some well-known names, including Amy Rickow, who was a guest on this show several months back. Amy was a lot of fun. Um, and also, and this may be, I talked to a lot of my guests about how awesome it must be to have some part of Star Wars as your job. And we're going to talk to Dan about that on a couple of different levels. But not only does Dan get to do things for Star Wars for work, Dan has a bio page on Wikipedia, which is pretty solid. But Dan also has a bio page on StarWars.com. And that kind of feels like, you know, did you get a Hollywood Walk of Fame star? Um, he's done some really, really amazing stuff and is such a great ambassador for the Star Wars community. So I am very thrilled and I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Dan Z to the podcast tonight. Well, hello. Hey, thank you so much. What a gracious introduction. I am absolutely honored to be here, my friend. This well, is great. It, it is a pleasure. I'm excited. I've been a fan of your show for a while now. I love listening. And, you know, something that we talked about before we came on air that I really think stands out with your podcast in particular is it's a positive podcast. That hashtag spark of a positivity certainly applies to what you do. And also because it's pretty easy to pick up in a very good way you're a person of faith and faith plays a lot into who you are as a person, who you are as a star Wars fan, who you are as a content creator, which I think is also special and very relevant to this show. So I'm excited to dig into all of those things tonight, but first of all, how are you doing? I am doing great. I'm seeing some of our, some of our mutual friends. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight. Mason and my, my son is out there watching as well. Hello, Mason. I'm thrilled to be on the show again. The, the positivity well, thanks, man. That's that's really cool of you. Uh, the the positivity and the positive outlook is important. As I've said many times, do I like everything Star Wars? No, but I think you can find pearls of of wisdom and goodness in everything. And I also think that there's there is a tactful way to approach something you don't like. Try to, with critical thinking, analyze what doesn't work and talk about it together. I think I think that's a really good way 
to be positive and not like everything at the same time. It's not, it's not an oxymoron. It can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. So let's do this. Let's jump in right here. Give us kind of a general introduction to who Dan is. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, hello, Mary, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> I am an educator. I've been teaching for 13 years uh, in the central Illinois area. I teach high school literature, mostly for the past couple of years now, it's mostly been seniors, but I've taught freshmen. You know, I taught every level of high school. Uh, I teach British literature. I teach mythology and I teach some comp some composition courses. And I'm also a Star Wars fan, naturally, which is how <laughs> I was able to come on the show. And for eight and a half years now, I have been the host of Coffee with Kenobi, a podcast. So hopefully, well, it's a community. It's a conversation. It's a way to think about Star Wars critically and analytically. It's also a place to have fun, to laugh. We take the content seriously. We don't take ourselves very seriously. And through the course of that, I've had the good fortune to write uh, for several, several years with over 80 articles for StarWars.com, occasionally for IGN. I've traveled the world covering Star Wars events, being a part of you know red carpet events, world premieres, the theme parks that are Star Wars related. And most importantly, I met so many great people who become like family to me because of Coffee with Kenobi and because of Star Wars and what this community is and who it brings to the table, right? It brings Star Wars as a community. And what a better time to talk about a community and being at the table because, you know, Thanksgiving, right? Everyone comes together. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining us, buddy. Uh, you bring people together to talk about your lives, your passions. And it creates and fosters community like you do every single week mm -hmm. here on Podcast of the Wills. So I don't know, Mason, did I leave anything out, buddy? <laughs> um, well, that's fantastic. And I love that. And I love that you're an educator. Uh, my wife has worked in the public schools for the last 17 years as an educator herself. Um, recently transitioned into some new exciting things, but has spent that time. As we've talked about, I spent almost 20 years in youth ministry working with high school students. And so... I have very much a soft spot for that age group and encountering people as they're growing, as they're finding their way, which is very Jedi and Padawan like. Um, I spend a lot of time talking about the time that I spent in youth ministry was in, especially in the deep South where religion is its, you know, its own very specific thing and can have some very difficult edges sometimes. I spent a lot of time with my teenagers because they were in that formative part of their life. When they would ask a question about faith, my job was not to tell them the answer. My job was to equip them to find the answer so that they could ask the questions. Because to me, that was the foundation of sand versus the foundation of rock. Because I went to college with people who grew up being told this is the answer. It's only this thing. And when it didn't match or when it was, met with resistance down the line, a lot of times they crumbled. And so my goal was always, I'm not here to tell you the answer. I'm here to help you find the tools so that we can find those answers together. And I think that applies as a dad, I have four daughters. And so I want to help them find the tools and be able to ask the questions. And I hear a lot of that just in what you're saying and in listening to your show, thinking critically, working with high school kids to say, let's look at this. Let's look at the context. Let's look at what's going on which is, again, ties directly into Star Wars because we all spend all of our extra time analyzing Star Wars and pulling on those threads and going, okay, there's this one part that I keep coming back to and I want to dig into some more. 
and because Star Wars is built so much on mythology, it just lends itself to that. And I think that that certainly speaks to people, you know, especially people like you who that's your career, that's your vocation. So I would love for you to dig into a little bit about being a teacher and using, you know, you use Star Wars to teach. That's not a secret. That's something that's a part of, you know, lessons and things you do. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Talk about those shared threads and the importance for you. Certainly. Well, yeah, you, there's a lot to unpack. There. You said a lot of really nice, powerful things. <laughs> to me, mythology is, of course, mythology at its root just means story. Mythology is story. And Star Wars is a great story. As many of you know, when George Lucas first created Star Wars, there wasn't really a, a good concrete American mythology that people could really sink their teeth into that was just distinctly part of us. And during the Vietnam conflict, there was a lot of gray in the world. There wasn't clear-cut choices of good and evil. And he wanted to bring that and incorporate that back into the zeitgeist. And mm -hmm. so he creates Star Wars, and here we are over four years later, still talking about it, still buying action figures. How many Luke Skywalker action figures have we all purchased individually? Quite a few. Exactly. Quite a few. I can see that in your background as well as in mine. That's right. And so, you know, you mentioned youth ministry. Youth ministry is one of the things that I was a part of for a while. And that actually inspired me to be a teacher. Being a teacher is not my first job. I worked in insurance for over eight years okay. and it was fine, but it didn't really light my soul on fire. And then working sure. with teenagers to help them find their voice and be the best version of themselves they could be. That was what drove me. So then when you talk about education, I actually said this last week several times. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm going to help you figure out how to think, Absolutely. to figure things out for yourselves and to want to think for yourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a world where a lot of people are going to do the thinking and the heavy lifting for you. And that is something that you want to avoid, right? Because yeah. if everyone, if Luke, of course, is a perfect example of this. If Luke Skywalker didn't decide to accept his own hero's journey and find his own path, and figure things out, you know, with guidance from his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and later with Yoda. If he didn't do that, where would the galaxy have been? You have to find your own path, your own destiny, and forge that for yourselves. And the more adversity, I believe, the more adversity that you run into, uh, the greater the path you are taking for yourself. Because, you know, resistance <laughs> yeah. forms that pressure that, that makes it more difficult to be who you want to be and who the universe wants you to be or who God wants you to be. And Absolutely. once you find that path and you experience that resistance, you know you're heading to the right place. And I think we have a lot of Star Wars heroes who encapsulate that. I've seen a lot of great comments. Oh, for sure. So I was going to throw so a couple everybody. of these up here. Yeah. Uh, Framie says, we won't be at the next celebration, but if Dan hosts another mythology panel in Anaheim, don't sleep on it. It'll blow your minds open in all the best ways. That's very kind. And those two are two of my favorite people in Star Wars. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining they us. They are so wonderful. And we talked earlier about the small worlds of Star Wars. Frank and Amy live a couple hours up the road from me also in Alabama. That's right. And when I figured that out, I was like, I have neighbors. Like, in fact, there's a surprising amount of Star Wars, either fans of podcasts or actual podcasters that are all also in Alabama like I am. And I wouldn't have guessed that's it. That's right. I should because that's what we do. We're everywhere. Um, well, and that what you said about wrestling with it and growing out of, you know, wrestling with these things. We do that in life. We do that as teenagers. We do that as young adults, as we're trying to sort out who are we going to be as we try to sort out, you know, what is life, but something else that stands out and this may feel like a little bit more surface, but I think the way we engage with these stories, and I guess as we often refer to on this show, 
the Star Wars canon, the wrestling that also happens on, and I'll use this example because it's very popular online to bring it up. Let's say The Last Jedi. I wrestled with The Last mm -hmm. Jedi the first time I saw it because I walked out and went, I don't know what just happened. I don't know how I feel about that. But the more time I spent with it and I went back and saw it a second and third time because, well, Star Wars nerd. But the more time I spent wrestling with that movie and that story, more importantly, the more it has become right near the top of my all time favorite Star Wars movies. You know, I'm always I'm an original trilogy kid, so there's a special place for those. But the storytelling and the arcs in The Last Jedi, the more time I spend with it. And I think those things happen as well, because we saw that in the early years with the prequels. The prequels were met with you know, what the heck, what is this? This isn't Star Wars. This is cartoon, you know, all the things that we heard, but there's become this time that the longer time goes on and the more people spend time with those people like me who didn't like them at first and was obnoxious as a recently graduated college student, young adult made, you know, the dumb statements. That's not my story, you know, whatever. But the more time that I have spent wrestling with those stories and really reflecting on them, the more I grow to love them, the more I grow to love Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. And like you said, sure, there's things that I didn't care for. I wish they did differently. But I see the story and the value and the narrative that is ultimately underlying all of it, which is classic George Lucas storytelling. That's right. I mean, look, I saw The Last Jedi at a media screening in, in Chicago with a bunch of journalists. And I walked in excited to see a new Star Wars movie. And mm -hmm. when it when it was over, I I sat there. First of all, when Luke Skywalker faces the First Order, I clapped and cheered like Michael <laughs> Jordan was, was scoring sixty nine against the Knicks. Absolutely. I was I loved that, loved that. <laughs> and when I walked out of there, I I sort of felt like, oh my goodness, they just gave me something I didn't know that I needed. They took something very familiar. And gave it this brand new sheen that that took it to another place. That took it to another level Absolutely. of intelligence and academia, and just and it's much more soulful and powerful mm -hmm. and poignant. I, I think the Last Jedi is an absolute stone cold masterpiece. I think it's the best made Star Wars yes. movie of all eleven of them. The best I made. I think it's I absolutely genius. And, well, and you know, so many... still today. So go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, I, say there, I still have student. <laughs> we're both <laughs> hosts, so we're used to talking Please. all the That's time. Right. That's right. Go ahead. The uh, this, my students and I, you know, it's it's a, it's probably the most polarizing movie. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned exactly. Frank and Amy understand exactly mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. And Amy's uh, way more intelligent about English than I am with her background. There's no doubt <laughs> about that. But. It's a polarizing movie. The Phantom Menace was a polarized movie when it came out, but it has aged very, very well. My students, even my seniors now, they still see the prequels as their Star Wars. That's how powerful that it is. That's yeah, how much it means to people. And I think that's important. Now, if we want to talk about The Rise of Skywalker, that movie did not work for me. But that doesn't mean, you know, that there's something fundamentally wrong or that it's, it's traumatized my experience as a Star Wars fan. I've got a lot right. to choose from. I got a lot of movies. There's so many. I got a lot things. of comics. I've got a lot of novels. I've got a lot of incredible animated stuff, and of course, all the things on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. So I'm good. 
I'm good. Yeah. You know, man cannot live on Star Wars alone. And if that's if that's the fire hose you want to drink out of all the time, then expect to be disappointed. All right, you've Absolutely. got to diversify your life and find things that challenge you, that make you tick, that speak to you. Star Wars is one of those mm-hmm. many, many ones. I mean, you know, circling back to Last Jedi, I could spend the whole hour talking about the Last Jedi, not even scratch the surface of how much I love that movie. I'm I'm with you, and at some point, um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and make a reservation right now that when we get to our canon studies of Last Jedi, you will definitely be one of the guests for those. Um, All right, because, you know how to reach me. I, absolutely, because that's one. And as I was gonna say a minute ago, I, I could just sit here and rattle off the scenes that spoke so much to me. Ray and Luke having the conversation in the cave about the hubris of the Jedi, um, mm-hmm. the Luke and Yoda scene. I mean, as a father. There's nothing that hits me more in my feels than, you know, um, the role of, you know, master, you know, we are what they grow beyond. Like, that's right. That's all. That's, that's right. my entire life as a dad. Like those things mm-hmm. hit me and it just I could go on and on, like you said. But we're going to keep it moving because we have some fun stuff to get to still tonight. Yes. Um, so what I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to flip it just a little bit. I have a question that I usually ask my guests that relate to their personal star Wars spiritual experience. I'm going to make us save yours for the end. And we're going to jump into our top seven, which is also your top seven star Wars spiritual moments in the movies and in the Canon. But then we're going to get to Dan's at the end after we go through the list. So if that was a good enough tease, or if that was a confusing enough tease, I don't know, but we're going to jump in. Um, Tonight we are talking about Dan's top seven star Wars spiritual moments, things that he sees in the Star Wars canon, moments that spoke to him for whatever they are. So we're just going to jump right in with number seven. I'm going to put it up on the screen, and you're going to start telling us why you picked this one for number seven. So we have Ray's Awakening in that classic moment in The Force Awakens. So the killer thing to me about this, this is mythology at its absolute finest. And let's think about this for a minute. The whole, The whole purpose of this movie uh the the mcguffin of this movie is luke skywalker's sacred lightsaber right right so mm-hmm. that what i the, my, the thing that calls to mind for me about this one is excalibur actually you yes. know it, or you know there are two swords in for king arthur uh one is the sword from the lady of the lake and one is excalibur that is pulled out of the stone depending on which we're experiencing so to me the reason the lightsaber flies past Kylo Ren is because he is not worthy. He cannot pull that lightsaber out of the stone metaphorically. Absolutely. But Ray can. Ray is worthy. Ray is the chosen one in this particular instance. She has the faith that she is not bigger than this moment. She's not bigger than this, this weapon. She is respecting what has come before it, what it means, what it symbolizes to so many people. To me, that's very, very spiritual. This, this belief that deep down inside, there is a purpose to everything. Everything is connected. And that's very faith-based to me. Without a doubt. And I think something that stood out to me, and I thought about this as I was putting your list together and reading over your choices, which of course are all excellent. The A, a parallel in a way I see is, and you said the word already, you said faith. Ray has a faith, not only in something that she doesn't understand because she touched the lightsaber in Maz's castle. She has the flashes you know, she knows something's going on, but like she hasn't gotten there yet. She hasn't gotten, you know, to have these mm-hmm. conversations there, but there was, so there's a faith in that thing that's unseen, which is the force. 
but there's a faith in herself that I think underlies that as well. And honestly, the thing that popped into my head was Indy in Last Crusade when he steps out onto the invisible bridge when he's trying to get through to save his dad to get through all the different challenges. Like at some point he decided to go for it and he just had to. And Ray's in this moment. She sees that lightsaber. It's on the other side. She's already seen what this guy can do. But she goes, you know what? I'm going for it. I don't know what's going to happen. And she steps out, which is significant. And the word faith is in at the very core of that, in my opinion. Plus, she's not seeking to use this power to subjugate or to rule, but to protect. Absolutely. That's the Jedi way. That's the Christian way. Well, and I think that also feeds exactly into, you know, we talk all the time about the living force and the living force recognizes the intent. And so Kylo doesn't get it because he's not worthy, just like you said. But Ray is worthy. Ray is, you know. She may be Thor, but she may also be Cap in Endgame, where he's also worthy and gets the hammer. You know, there's that right. moment where the true intent, like you said, speaks through, which is really, really powerful. And as as many people discuss, the reason Cap isn't worthy to pick it up in, you know, Age of Ultron is because he hasn't unburdened himself of the secret he knows about Tony's father. And once he Absolutely. does speak the truth and in, 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 uh, allow himself to be forgiven, then he is pure and worthy. Yep. that's I love that so much. Uh, well, that is a fantastic jumping off point. So let's move on to number six. And your number six is Han Solo's confession. And I love this so much. And I actually had to email you about this one to make sure because there were a couple of other times that I feel like Han has had some confessions that I think also could have been spiritual moments. So please jump Certainly. into this one um, and tell us what you've got. Well, gosh, I mean, first of all, yay, Harrison Ford, right? I love Harrison Ford. And That's how right. young does Daisy really look in this movie? Oh my gosh, what <laughs> in the world? What happened to us? Yeah. That's I, I, the reason I, I, I like this rapidly. one. <laughs> well, look, uh, Han Solo is, is the best skeptic in the world of Star Wars, right? He, uh, you know, hokey mm-hmm. religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good That's blaster right. at your side, kid, as he says in A New Hope. And then we fast forward, you know, to this film, which takes place 19 years after Return of the Jedi. And Han Solo has seen a lot. He's he's done a lot. He's been everywhere, man, as Johnny Cash might say. So That's he right. is in a different place. And he is the arbiter of truth. He is the one saying, it's true, you know, the Jedi, you know, the for- it's true. All that he says, all these things you've mm-hmm. heard, all these things you believe about the Force, and this mystical energy field and what it actually means. That's real. It's real. And he, the one who is the most skeptical person, he is the one speaking the truth. He is right. like, uh, he's like Paul, right? I mean, I'm not saying Paul is in the household related. Don't get me wrong. But if you had to <laughs> find uh, or stretch. I don't an, know. An Paul, was pretty gra- Paul was reportedly pretty grouchy. I think there's some, some Han connections and there he, along the way. He was, he was uh, not very kind for a long time. And then he was. <laughs> uh, and then here we are. Well, thanks, LJ. Good to see you. A lot, a lot of my, a lot of my people are here too, which is great. The, awesome. So again, that's just, that's just Han Solo. Right, that he mm-hmm. is the one who's speaking truth after all this time. When we first saw this trailer at Celebration Anaheim in 2015, it knocked us out because it means so much more. Because not only is it true that the force is real and Han Solo is confessing it, but Harrison Ford is back dressed as Han Solo in stars, which he said for 20 plus years he was never going to do. So, absolutely, to it as well. Very meta commentary, mm-hmm. if you will, without a doubt. I, I love that so much. And 
like I said, I emailed you a couple of, you know, saying, you know, which one, because I had a couple in my head. And one of the big ones that also stood out to me that could have been a great spiritual moment is the confrontation with Ben in Force Awakens on that bridge. I mean, if there's ever been a dad moment in Star Wars, it was when he yells his son's name at the top of his, I sat up straighter in my chair and he wasn't yelling at me because the kind of thing. Because he's in trouble. Done. Oh yeah. It's the kind of thing that we've done at parents when we've yelled at our kid not to run out into a street or not to, you know, it was very paternal, but the caring and the compassion and the brokenness that he has standing there with his son on that famously railless catwalks because it's star Wars and we don't put rails on things. Um, that <laughs> moment to me was so powerful because it was a parent humbling himself in front of his child. And it was him saying, you know, I'm here. We can fix this. I'll help you. What do you need? And that's huge. And so that one stood out to me as another, you know, Han moment when I wanted to make sure I had the right one for you. Um, I also think there's something really special in, you know, the, as cliche as it may seem like it is, the Empire moment with Leia right before he gets frozen. This is, again, this is a man who's put up walls. This is a man who, as you said, or as I said, you know, it was grumpy. Um, you used simple um, ancient religions and, you know, weapons, no match for a blaster. I always go back to his other one from that same part where he says most of it's simple tricks and nonsense. That was why I related mm -hmm. to Han Solo because he was the guy that just like Indiana Jones, he did things and there was a swagger there, but it didn't always work out, but somehow he ended up coming out on top anyhow. And so that moment with Leia, even though he doesn't say, I love you when he says, I know this is a man who's barren emotional by someone who he's connected with. Despite everything well, you could also take through. the scene from solo. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you could also take the ending of the stars when he says to Luke, May the force be with you. And he kind of says it through his teeth. But there's mm -hmm. also that crack in the armor where he's starting to kind of let in the idea, the possibility of a conversion, which I think is great. Absolutely. It's very, very cool. Han, Han has some great spiritual moments throughout. And then, of course, he does. you know, the, the imagery and the reusing of the dialogue in Rise of Skywalker when he appears to Ben, you know, on the Death Star ruins. Again, just so much power and so many parental fields, of course, again, and all of that. Um so number five, as we keep this train moving along, uh, Obi-Wan's faith. Gosh, I love this one. This is another one that we could talk about for a really long time, but jump in with Obi-Wan's faith for you at number five. Right. So just before this moment here, I mean, he looks over at Luke, sort of an acknowledgement of you got this kiddo. And he when, and it was recently brought up to me by Craig Dickinson, actually from reading between the reels that when he looks mm -hmm. over and he smiles, he's seeing Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa together. Yes. He's seeing the <laughs> twins together, which yep. maybe he didn't think was ever going to happen again. Maybe that's why he smiles. I love that take on that. So bravo to Craig for pointing that out to me, but this is faith. I mean, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a steeped in the forces. Anyone, he's a powerful warrior, a very wise man, a very flawed man. One of the reasons we like him so much, but he's willing to let go and, you know, subscribe to this very, very unique, uh, very eccentric take on the force, the living force and the cosmic force and to surrender himself. You know, he believes he's not going to die and he's, he believes he's not going to be cut down by Darth Vader, but he trusts there's a higher plan. There's a destiny. There is a purpose. Absolutely. And lo and behold, 
it works out for him. It you know, does Luke is able out. to connect with him uh, because of Obi-Wan's faith and the inspiration that, that faith comes from. Obi-Wan, in, in a sense, becomes something of a martyr in this sequence. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's very powerful. Yeah. And I love that you reference that moment um, of him looking at Luke and Leia, because I was think as you started speaking, that was what popped into my head. And that was one of those moments I've spent literally my entire life with these movies and have watched them more times than should probably be said out loud. But when that somebody tweeted that just in the last you know year or so, and I saw it on somebody's Twitter post about that moment and the what and i had never thought about it from that perspective and it was another one of those like here i am 40 plus years later and my mind is still blown by oh look at that like that moment yeah, i know was so yeah just wild like i you know and of course then i'm at the same time kicking myself going gosh why didn't i think of that but it's so good and it does speak to obi-wan because i think we sometimes talk about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, especially for what we get in, obviously we just get in the Phantom Menace, but if you read Master and Apprentice, if you get, you know, into that relationship, like Qui-Gon was kind of almost like the peak of the last of the true Jedi. Like he was so disciplined. He was so principled. And Obi-Wan is the next generation. Like I love, there's something I love about Obi-Wan that every time he shows up to do something, he's like, you take care of this. I'm going to go to the bar and have a drink, <laughs> whether it's in mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, whether they're in the canteen on Mos Eisley, you know, the scenes in Clone Wars. Like I, I relate to that Obi-Wan vibe of like, I'm going to grab a drink. We're going to work this out. It's going to be fine. It may be a little, right. you know, off the book or it may be a little bit different, but there's still a faith there. And I think that develops so much. And you mentioned before about how many different properties and things we have to dig into it. Obi-Wan in rebels in the showdown with maul mm-hmm. that scene and that Twin short sons. brief couple of minutes is so powerful not only in what he says but another thing that i looked back on and i'm sure somebody pointed out to me along the way the efficient obi-wan as a character is epitomized in his lightsaber style the efficiency mm-hmm. like we watched this movie when i was a kid that came out in 1977 and it seemed cool then. And then when the prequels came out and it was fast and crazy, we we're like, oh, those were just old dudes that couldn't sword fight. But then you get, you know, a Rebels where you can do whatever you want. And it's still, it's three hits and it's over with. There's an efficiency that That's belies right. his character in, we're just going to get it done. We're just going to do the thing because there's more at stake. There's more to be aware of, faithful up. There's so much in Obi-Wan. And the faith he has, you know, not only in Luke and Leia and getting them back together, but moving on from where he is and putting him with putting Luke with Yoda, putting these next steps and sending it on down the path. My favorite episode, my favorite sequence from my favorite episode of my favorite Star Wars series. (laughs) It's I um. That's another one of those that when I get to it for canon studies, I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of time on Rebels because I love Rebels in a way. Sometimes it's hard to explain out loud for something that as a 43-year-old man, I'm supposed to go, it's a cartoon. But the storytelling in that is so phenomenal. And the Jedi story with Kanan and Ezra, it just it's very, Mm -hmm. very powerful. So um, without turning this turning this into Rebels love letter, which we can do another time, let's get to number four. Yeah. 
I'm good at getting y'all tasks, man. <laughs> hey, I, I'm here for it. Um, Qui-Gon's meditation is your number four. To me, this is a pretty powerful one. I had a hard time keeping it at four. I almost moved it up a little bit higher. But look, Qui-Gon Jinn and anxiety have never met, right? Correct. So much of anxiety is being worried or being anxious about what you can control. You know, the, one of the big secrets to life that people either ignore or don't want to listen to is that the only thing you can control in your life is your attitude. That's it. That's mm -hmm. it. Everything else just leads to frustration, angst, and anxiety, right? Qui-Gon Jinn is facing a Sith Lord uh, who was very, very dangerous, who was very, very arrogant and powerful and walking back and forth across this uh, barrier like a Bengal tiger stalking yes, its prey. The caged animal was always and, what I go to. That's right. And Qui-Gon chooses not to be angry, not to be stressed, but to meditate, to be at peace, to chill out, homie, as it were. And <laughs> talk about faith-based, right? Uh, being calm in the face of true adversity, trusting in the will of the force that things will work out, whatever it is. He's not saying, I hope I, I hope I live. I hope I survive. He's just being centered, being very, very centered. And that is so inspirational. You know, it's hard not to think of Jesus for something like this because you've got someone facing tremendous challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus shows us to, to just be at peace, you know, be not yeah. afraid. It says be not afraid 365 times in the Bible, 365 times. You think that's an accident? I don't it, think it, it might is. be important. Don't. That's right. <laughs> might be important. Be not afraid. Qui-Gon Jinn is not afraid. He chooses faith and trust in this particular circumstance. That is as faith based as it gets. Absolutely. And this, you know, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is Jesus in the boat taking a nap while the disciples are losing their mind because it's getting stormy. Um, That's right. And I, and I love too, and I've always loved this scene in particular, and you can't really get it in this picture that I picked, but obviously you've got Maul on the front half pacing like a caged animal. You've got Qui-Gon in the middle, cool, calm, collected. And then you've got Obi-Wan in the background and Obi-Wan should be taking a cue from his master. And while he's not pacing, he's barely able to keep himself from running through that barrier. Like he's ready to go. He's got his game face on and right. it just, it creates again, that beautiful symmetry that we see in so much of the lore of star Wars. And again, it's almost like George Lucas knew what he was doing when he did these kinds of things. Yeah. I think you might be onto something. <laughs> he, he might, he might make it after all. Um, well, let's get into number three, which is Grogu and Din Djarin. Talk yes. about parental. I mean, this... I mean my gosh. <laughs> oh, you're going to make us keep looking at the scene over and over. You're going to make us all sad. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, this, I picked this one because of the love of father and son. Like I have three boys. I love them all dearly. I would, I would gladly trade my life for any of them. And this is a circumstance of this man who spent, you know, we don't, there's so much we do not know about this man, but sure. he has spent his life forging a path for himself and, you know, thinking of his cause, of his way, of his faith. And then he meets a, a youngster, an adorable little youngster, Grogu, who changes his life, who changes his world, who changes his purpose. And, I mean, to be a parent is all about faith, isn't it? It's all about trust. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You, you hope that your kids will turn out even better than you. And, you know, God willing, that is the case. Uh, but just the fact that he can that he faces him face to face like this 
completely vulnerable, completely open, completely picking love over anything else is just so inspirational and so beautiful and such a wonderful parental example. This one's important because we don't get to see a lot of healthy, loving, <laughs> good father-son relationships in Star Wars. And this is, to Absolutely. me, this is the first one, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, you know, Kanan and Ezra, but they're more like brothers, I think. Right. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're like brothers, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but- I've heard Dave Filoni say, and I'm sure a lot of you have too, that Dave Filoni, Qui-Gon could have been like a father figure to Anakin, but because Qui-Gon died, then Anakin lost his father figure needed. And that was one thing that helped to lead to his downfall. So thank goodness all those father figures out there like yourself and like so many of us that that help to love our kids and, and put them before us. He's putting Grogu before himself and his own selfish needs. He knows Grogu has to grow and change and go with Luke Skywalker. Still, ah, best scene ever. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he, he knows that that is the best for him. And that is real love. That's real faith. That's that's a father, man. That is a man. Um, yeah, I love that, and I love so much about this relationship and the paternal aspects. Of course, of it speak to me, like you talked about. I want to throw out one interesting thing that I hadn't considered, and would love to hear your thoughts about it, just for the sake of sure. conversation. Um, my good friend Brian Barry over at the Pink Milk Podcast. Um, Brian and his husband Tom have adopted their sons out of the foster program. And he said for him watching this as a parent of foster children, this is actually very difficult for him because all the things happened that you talked about. Den changes and we see it when he's looking at the knob right before he goes back in and rescues him in season Mm -hmm. one, they have these adventures. He's not going to let him go. You know, the, my buddy line, wherever he goes, I go like it changes who it changes who Den is which is amazing. And the tough part of it is like you said, he wants, he knows he can't train him. He knows there's something special here. He knows, but there's also that side that I hadn't thought about until I heard Brian talk about it so eloquently, which is it was really hard for him to raise kids, his sons who he loves with his whole heart. And like you said, would sacrifice for them that he adopted them out of the foster system. And so for this to be a moment where, a dad who seemingly has this connection gives the kid away. And that was really powerful to me to hear that perspective because that's not my perspective. That's not, you know, my relationship with my kids and it doesn't change. It it just, it's neat to see that from another angle and to hear somebody else wrestle with it from a different perspective. I just dropped that on you, but I don't know if you have any thoughts that relate to that or not. I, I always have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, by all means, you're in the uh, right place. Good, good deal. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Yoda, let go of what you fear to lose. When he says that yep. to Anakin, it seems so cold and callous. And like, what? Where's the empathy here, Yoda? But I think Yoda was onto something, right? You, you've got to trust that there's a bigger plan. Bigger than what you believe. There's something bigger than your fears and your anxieties your hopes and your dreams. And that is the path that is the plan. You know, you know, God has a plan for us. You've got, you have a free will, but there's also a destiny, right? That's called soft mm-hmm. determinism. That's the philosophical term for that, where you, yep. your life has been, there is a purpose for you. There's a blueprint for you, but you get to choose it. That's what love is, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, if someone tells you to love, you have to love something, but you're not willfully doing it of your own accord. 
then that's not really love, right? This is love here with Grogu and Din Djarin because they're both choosing, you know, not because they're being forced or because they're pressured or obliged or obligated. It's because that's their path. That's the right thing for them. They know it in their hearts and they embrace it. And they both support one another in the process. And hopefully it's not the last we've seen of either of them. Absolutely. I'll be so interested to see how they bring these two back together and tie some of these threads. And, you know, maybe we'll get a little more Luke out of that, too. Um, you never so know. number two, as we keep moving through the list, excuse me, is one of my favorites. Talk about Rebels. We've got World Between Worlds. Um, so, yeah, I got to write about this for the Star Wars book. I've written about it on StarWars.com. This is, to me, one of the most fascinating sequences in any star wars anything because it, it introduced a new aspect of star wars the, the fact that uh, my goodness the fact that he can see this thing happening before you know when it was happening and pull her out of reality into this world between worlds into the space between spaces mm -hmm. and rewrite history reset things it's uh it, there's just so much to it no wonder the emperor wants to take control of it and have it because then my gosh it would be like very much would be like uh in the finale of the season one of what if when mm -hmm. this uber ultron is able to encounter the watcher and and mess with so much more than just one world one reality but the you know the universe all universes as they are it's it's a very god moment isn't it it's also a very responsible one where ezra has to learn yeah i could save kanan right now but that would undermine his sacrifice. It would undermine his choice. That would take away his agency. It would also be me playing God, which I don't get to do because that's not <laughs> my role. That's not who I am. And the fact that it gave us the possibility that anything, we knew that anything is possible in the force. But when Ahsoka comes back, because it's been a long time since we had seen Ahsoka. That's right. When she came back like that, there were tears of joy throughout fandom because Ahsoka yeah. Tano is one of the best characters, not only in Star Wars, but all of fiction, period never show up in this fashion and have it connected to the Mortis arc, which is such a, a mind bending thing in and of itself. You know, you know, as Frank and I were saying, the force mysticism is absolutely fascinating. It really is. Uh, and it, and it again continues to show us the force cannot be pinned down into one religion or one belief system. The force is a lot of different things. The force is what other creators tell us it is and what mm -hmm. has come before it and being able to talk about and, and write about the force in, try to pin down something that you can't pin down is kind of like a nice metaphor for this episode in and of itself. Without a doubt. Well, and it's another one of those things that I agree, the force mysticism and we use the term all the time, the living force, like it can't be mm -hmm. pinned down. It can't be, you can't figure it out. That's the whole nature of part of what they're trying to do as they meditate, as they become in tune, as they listen. And it's going to be different for everyone, much like, a person of faith, whether it's a Christian faith or any other faith, my faith is not going to be the same as yours and yours isn't going to be the same as your son's because we are attuned to God or to whoever our spiritual higher up is in different ways. And we encounter them in different ways and we process. And so I love, I am just agreeing with you with extra words because as a host, that's what I do. I just say things. Um, but this, arc with world between worlds was so great because we just went let's keep unpacking let's keep finding more things that we can use to expand this world that we love and this storytelling that means so much 
you can have midichlorians and still make it about faith. And this <laughs> That's episode exactly right. That. It, it can be science and faith all rolled into one. Um, so that brings us to our number one. This has been an amazing list and then we're not done yet. So your number one is the Death Star Apotheosis. Yes. Well, to me, you know, apotheosis is a term from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey where the hero dies to self and rises again. So for Luke Skywalker in, a, in any apotheosis, the hero may actually die and come back to life or they may die to an old way of thinking and come back reawakened into a new mm -hmm. thought process where they never look back. They're never the same. Even when you stumble and fall, you're still that same person. When Luke is flying down the Death Star trenches, you know, Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. Yep. No one can believe what he's doing. What is this farm boy doing? Turning off the technology so he can blow up the Death Star. Well, we already saw that it didn't work. Right? So what happens is he turns off the technology. He turns off the things he's relied on his whole life. And he trusts in something he just learned about basically five minutes ago mm -hmm. and trusts in the force fires that shot that, you know, that that's one shot in a million that, that ends the arc of the empire and creates, it's not balanced yet, but the rebellion has gained a, a shift, a swift edge. It's given them a lot of hope. You know, Luke is a new hope. He's also a new hope for his father, even though his father may not know it just yet. And Luke has changed. I mean, there's nothing more faith-based than trusting in this brand new thing, which isn't new, but is new to Luke, that this is going to be the thing that's going to help him, you know, defeat the great Death Star and to defeat Darth Vader in his ultimate space station. I mean, there's nothing more faith-based than that. And boy, does it ever work. Absolutely. It definitely does. You and like fireworks, I, kids? <laughs> yeah, check this out. Um, yeah, I love that so much. And I love... Like you said, this is somebody who's changed. He comes out of this and he's never the same after this, which we see there's so much just in Star Wars, that first movie of whiny, you know, farm boy kid. His, par his parent figures are burned and die and he meets this old man. And, all, you know, these adventures and all these things happen to him so quickly. And that's how life comes at us a lot of times. A bunch of stuff can happen to us all at one time. And all of a sudden we look back and go, I don't even remember who the whiny guy was complaining about power converters, you know, two weeks ago. Now I'm this hero and I'm on a completely different path. And it continues to be an evolving and growing path throughout this entire canon, which I love that we get, like we talked about with Last Jedi in the sequels, like that story and that change for Luke goes throughout his entire life. He didn't have this one Death Star moment and then he's, Michael Jordan for the rest of the time to borrow the analogy you used earlier. He still right. goes through the ups and downs and he goes through the doubts and the failures, which I love that they focus on with that relationship with Ben. So it is, it's something that we relate to. It's not just, well, he's Superman. Now he's the undefeatable whoever. Right. Yeah. He's not, he's not Beowulf or Superman. He's flawed. That's why the last Jedi speaks to me because even when you learn, right those powerful lessons and have so much success, you're still a human being. Like if you think when, you know, when you're younger and you, and you learn lessons that you're done, you're not done. You're always learning. <laughs> you're always growing. And as soon as you think you're not, then you are pretty much starting up from scratch again and learning it all over again. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what Luke Without does. 
That is exactly. Has what anyone ever told no. you, by the way, that your your microphone looks exactly like a Mandalorian helmet? <laughs> no, that's it fantastic. Totally I love Look at that the light. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, that's great, and I love. You know, I even hear the words of Yoda echoing in my head as you're saying that about Luke. Always in motion, the future is. You know, uh-huh. that's the thing. He doesn't get to the end, win the prize, and now he gets to be the hero the rest of the time. He gets to deal with the next thing and deal with the next thing. And like you said, that's what endears us, endears us to that character, to those advancing stories as they go along. Um, wow, what a great list. Um, so that begs the big question. We've gone through your canon spiritual moments. Now we get to find out what is you, your personal Star Wars spiritual moment. And you've had an amazing amount of things that you've gotten to do. You've been in a Target commercial. You write Star Wars books. You get to go to these premieres. It could be a moment where, you know, it, watching it for the first time. What is your personal Danzy Star Wars spiritual moment? Well, my goodness. I mean, you know, I've, as you said, very kindly. I've been and very it may not be fair to make you pick, but we're going to try. That's okay. I might change it as soon as we disconnect. Hard to say. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I've I've met Harrison Ford. I've met George Lucas. I've met Carrie Fisher. I've met a lot of great people. I've been to Lucasfilm. I've been to, you know, Pinewood Studios. I've been all over the place. I've had a lot of great things. I've met a lot of great people. But the thing for me is the fact that I keep getting to share this with my family. Absolutely. Right, I got to bring my oldest Peyton, who's in the movie business. Uh, I got to bring him to the premiere of Solo. Nice. You know, I, I got to bring Parker with me to uh, to a Galactic Nights special event at Walt Disney World as a special guest at Disney. Um, I've gotten to introduce Mason to the world of Star Wars when I when I I did a book signing for the Star Wars book, mm-hmm. and Mason sat by my side, and in some very kind fans even had Mason sign the book too. That's, That's so wonderful great. to me, right? And I, I got that. to bring my wife. I actually got to say this sentence, and it actually was real. Harrison, this is my wife, Deanna Zare. Deanna Zare, this is Harrison <laughs> Ford. I actually got to make that happen, right? Uh, as soon as that happened, and I gave Harrison a hug, and I turned around, and then tears just streamed down my face. Because that was mm-hmm. like the culmination of everything that I've loved, sharing with the person I love most in the world, my beautiful wife. And there's just nothing better than that. God has given me so many blessings because of Star Wars. And the reason it happened is not because there's something about me that's different than anyone else that's better than anyone else. It's not that at all. I'm just me. You're just you. And that is good enough. If you work hard and you be yourself, you don't let the universe tell you no because you know there's a better plan for you. You don't apologize for who you are. You accept what God has given you. You take the pits and pratfalls and use them to become stronger, to become more powerful in yourself because that is what God wants you to do. Then you can find your path, find your own hero's journey and take your first step into a larger world. And I am where I am because God kept nagging me to be a teacher. He kept telling me to be a teacher, but I kept telling myself reasons why I shouldn't. Then one day I just stopped doing that and started only looking at why I should, why I should do these things that God wants me to do. And as soon as that happened, I became a teacher. I met my wife. I met Corey Club, and together we created Coffee with Kenobi. And then, boom, look out, world, here we come. 
And, you know, we've just scratched the surface of what I want to accomplish with the show. And that's because I say yes. And when there are opportunities to say yes, I get myself ready and get myself as well-rounded and balanced as I ever can. So when those opportunities come, I will be ready for them. And this is something, friends, that I hope that you do as well. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I love that it comes back to family because that is also for all the ups and downs. And you mentioned it before, there aren't the greatest examples of star Wars parents per se, but we talk all Mm -hmm. the time about the found family in star Wars and the community of star Wars, whether it's in real life or in the movies and for you to be able to make that connection and to have a journey like that, to have a journey that's genuine, to have a journey that's pure because you're doing your best and you're putting you know, others first, you're being a teacher, that's putting others first. That's not, you know, being the big, powerful CEO, that's not doing. And those things are rewarded with the kindness. And as they say, as Chirrut says, the force of others is a part of your journey and is a part of your ability to connect with people. Um, And so it's really, really great. And I'm really excited to hear that that's your spiritual moment because it is so personal and it has opened up all the other things that I listed off. You know, I'm picking surface moments like, oh, I went to this premiere. Oh, I wrote this book. But you got to do those things because it started with family and it started with the opportunity to say, I want to try this. I want to do this. And you kept pushing and you didn't give up. That's very Jedi of you, sir. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you, man, for that kind words. And thanks, Frank and uh, Mary and everybody else for your kind words in the comments, too. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm blessed, man. We're all we're all blessed to have this great uh, community that we have. And thank you for giving me the platform to share that. Oh, uh, it's an honor to get to have a chance to hang out and chat. Um, As we circle in on getting done tonight, this has really been a blessing for me. It's been a great opportunity to have this conversation. And I look forward to once we get into some of our canon studies, reaching back out and getting you to come in and help me pick apart some of the sacred text, as it were, um, sure. down the line. But in the meantime, tell everybody, obviously, we teased a little bit. You've got a book coming out in a couple of weeks. Tell everybody where they can find you. Give us all your plugs. Absolutely. Well, Coffee with Kenobi uh, is heard twice a week. You can, If you are a fan of watching live videos, you obviously are now. You can catch me every Monday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live at www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash live. There is a replay of it on YouTube, and the audio is shared on our podcast feed as well. Every single Thursday uh, is the main show. And going strong, you can find us all over social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest. And uh, let's see. Oh, Coffee with Kenobi. We have a Facebook group, the CWK Cafe, where many of our friends here join us to talk in a positive, family-friendly, spoiler-free place about Star Wars and what we love about it, brag about our collectibles, beg for the links <laughs> to the latest Hasbro releases, all that good stuff. That's right. Um, let's see. Uh, of course, my book, The Star Wars Book, has been out for over a year. On November 30th, the Star Wars Character Encyclopedia updated and expanded edition is this next book. Uh, from Star Wars that I have out. I co-wrote with a lot of amazing people, including Amy Raquel that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you can certainly join the CWK Alliance, which is our Patreon show. There's um, exclusive Facebook podcast there, CWK Pour Over, that comes out once a week as well. There's also a video portion of that. Uh, if you are starting a podcast for a blog or have an existing one and you want me to help you expand or build your brand, you can reach out to me at danzmedia.com. And then, of course... 
you can always find me on starwars.com and my writing there as well. Outstanding. Well, you have tons going on and we're excited to see where it all goes. Cause like you said earlier, you've only scratched the surface of what you want to try and do. So we're all excited to be along for the ride and to see what other places in the galaxy that coffee Kenobi is going to go, that Dan's going to go. But most importantly, I want to thank you again for hanging out tonight. It's truly been a blessing. Thanks to everybody who has been watching along with us in the live chat. We love y'all. We're so thankful for you being a part of this family. I know it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to Dan on his shows and when everybody crosses over and comes and hangs out. Um, so we're going to wrap up. We're going to get out of here this week. I don't want to make a promise about next Sunday because I'm going out of town and I'm also kind of playing tag with a couple of potential guests. So I'm not quite sure yet if you'll see us next Sunday night. I'll let you know midweek. Um, but we've got a couple more weeks and then we're going to try and take December off and have a little break, a little bit of rebranding, a little bit of tease right there. I'm working on some fun stuff. As we start back off the beginning of the year and we're going to go strong and we're going to lean really hard into some of our canon studies. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Thank you for being a part of this group, a part of this show and for always being supportive. We will see you again soon. And in the meantime, may the force be with you always. Thanks so much. Everybody.